Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on September the 2nd, 2011. For newcomers, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Help yourself to the free audios which are there for download and hopefully you can take a long time, I guess, and really go through the books I mention and different characters of this new world order that I mention quite frequently too. And hopefully you'll put up you put the whole business together, the, the system that runs the world, not the system that you think you vote for. That's long obsolete, in fact. It's been obsolete for well over 100 years anyway, probably more. And uh, Professor Carl quickly mentioned that himself, that uh, the Council on Foreign Relations for America, and it's basically his daddy from Britain, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, have been running uh, prime ministers and presidents for about 100 years at least. So... I show you the big picture, how the big system works with the foundations, big bankers, international bankers, and the various organizations and clubs and think tanks that they have running the world, all intermeshed with big, big business. And they have their own goals, of course, that don't really include the general public. In fact, Orwell was quite right, the proles don't count. We're kept busy being entertained and programmed in leaden circles by those who should know better. And really, that's the whole thing in a nutshell. It truly is the matrix. So I try, hopefully, to guide you through the different rooms and levels in the matrix. Most folk get stuck in one level, or they get stuck in the money level, or or the voting level. And we're way beyond all of that, to be honest with you, because the big boys have already decided what kind of new world order they wanted, and they didn't ask the general public. And they never will, in fact. That's the reality of it. Remember, too, that you are an audience that brings me to you. So you you can uh, order the books and discs I have for Salic Cutting through com, And you can help keep me going for as long as you want by the suicidal way. I take donations, basically. And you can order the books and, and use donations to pay for them. Uh, on the website, cuttingtribute.com, from the U.S. to Canada, you'll find out how to order uh, for using a personal check or an international postal money order from the post office, or you can use PayPal to order. Some people just use send cash. Across the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and again, PayPal once again. And straight donations really, and I'm not just saying this, it would really be appreciated because I've had three different things bust down just in the last couple of days to get this particular broadcast out and that everything costs cash. And this is not a, a profit-making business. Believe you me, it's not a business. Uh, if it was, I'd have all the advertisers on, and I'd, I'd swear that everything that they sold was fantastic, and you'll love till 150. But I don't. The ads you hear in this particular broadcast are paid for by advertisers directly to RBN. I have got nothing to do with it. And hopefully that pays for RBN's airtime and their staff and their equipment and replacing their, their equipment as well, hopefully, and their bills. And uh, uh, so you can help me with mine by buying the books and lots of discs too for, for sale at cuttingthroughmates.com. And we are led round in circles because, you see, 
the wars that they have, information wars, they called them back in the 70s, when they were pondering about uh, the coming big changes, without always hinting at big changes, but never telling us exactly what changes they meant. And you'd have to belong to the Council on Foreign Relations to find out, because uh, during the late 70s, they were already planning to have wars with the Middle East. And then during the 80s, then into the 90s, with the formation of the New American Century Club, or the group, uh, they listed the countries they wanted to take out and plunder from. And, of course, that's been taken over by Obama's administration, although Obama's just as much of a front man as Bush was. It's a big, big club. And you don't need to have, even have presidents in on the higher nose. All they do is sign all the forms that are put in front of their noses, take big paychecks, and make sure their wives have very expensive and, and profuse holidays across the world. That's the real world that we live in. And we're treated like an audience, basically. And therefore they supply the guys who keep you occupied and entertained and misinformed. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and you know, it's just astonishing the stuff that's put up by mainstream, that it's just like the military running, or, or Pentagon running, your fictional shows getting you used to wars, and, and guys in uniforms, and they're all buddy buddies, and they slaughter the guys that can't aim straight, and all that kind of stuff, to get young guys in, and of course, to, to get the general public involved, because the bad guys have really made out to be really, really bad guys. People you've never met before, and even strangers, still they're all actors. But anyway, that, that's how it really goes. You predict, you're, it's predictive programming through basically what you allow your, into, your, into your mind, into your brain. There's no firewall in the brain, remember. And you are your only guard. But they put out articles like this. U.S. economy creates no jobs or no job growth in August, data shows. And employment growth around to, uh, ground to a halt in August, a sagging consumer confidence. What is consumer confidence? Yeah. Discouraged already skittish U.S. businesses from hiring, keeping pressure on the Federal Reserve to provide more monetary stimulus to aid the struggling economy. What do you mean struggling economy? The only thing they're making are drones to, and bombs and stuff. It wasn't for these, this war going on, constant war and constant conflicts, of course, that's what they call it, one war after another. Then there'd be no business at all and making uniforms, etc. It's good for the military boys but, and the ones that supply them, but it's not much good for anybody else. Non-farm payrolls were unchanged last month. The Labour Department said Friday it was the first time since 1945 that the government has reported a net monthly job change of zero. The August payrolls report was the worst since September 2010, while non-farm employment for June and July was revised to show 58,000 fewer jobs. So things are going down the tubes as it was meant to be. I've said for years when they decide to pull the plug, you'll know all about it. There's no guessing about it. And if you can't read the signs of the times, then uh, keep watching your sports uh, because <laughs> it'll hit you eventually. If you might, you might notice when you're starving. But that's the way things are going at the moment. It's a, a world takedown because we're going into the big, big phase of the global society, and they must bring in out of this chaos, which they already have, of course. As, as a global government, uh, governments or governance, they like to call it, but a government nonetheless. And you all have to just chip in. In fact, one of the British newspapers said uh, it's pretty bad there too. Uh, there's, this is no jobs, etc. 
And uh, it was actually the Council on Foreign Relations for Britain, our Royal Ministry of International Affairs. And they said that um, it's going to be tough times where people will have to get used to austerity, meaning poverty, and innovation. Innovation. You know, that's when I grew up in innovation. That's when you had grannies that would stitch the, the holes in your, in your pullover in your jersey and things like that. You don't do that anymore, you see. No one knows how to do it, apparently. But uh, uh, that's the, going back to all of that and in passing clothes around. That, that kind of stuff, you know, uh, as they do away with all what you used to think of as a middle class. And then again, as there's no jobs being created, I mentioned about Gibson Guitar Factory being raided uh, with uh, one of the, the environmental bunch and all the rest of the, the, the feds. Then anyway, they raided them because they were importing certain woods from certain countries, which were all lawful and licensed and all the rest of it. But apparently the deal is, you see, the new deal is that you, yeah, you can import this stuff, uh, like, like mahogany and, and rosewood, uh, from these countries under license, but you can't use it. You can't, you can sit and look at these billets of wood and maybe just, uh, put flowers on them or something, make a seat, just cover it, make a seat, but don't work it. Don't work the wood to make it an actual seat, whatever you do, or you're, you're thousands of dollars worth in fine. Imagine attacking small businesses with guns drawn and all this stuff. This is disgusting. And for those folk who really believe in government, see, government's a problem. It does nothing but expand and create new departments like cancers. That's what, they, that's what it is. It's a cancer. Even, you know, other people have said this before me, long before me. Uh, Carl Jung said the same thing he wasn't worried about an iron curtain across Berlin, he was worried about an iron curtain across the entire planet run by bureaucrats, that's what he said where there'd be no freedom to do anything or say anything and be politically correct, which we're already at of course I mean you can talk about all kinds of debauchery, but don't, don't condemn it whatever you do, or you're in trouble but anyway, this is what happened with um Gibson Guitar, and it says, It seems that the Department of Justice wasn't satisfied with merely raiding the law-abiding factories of Gibson Guitar with armed agents, shutting down their operation, costing them millions, and leaving the American company in the dark as to how to proceed without going out of business. Now, Gibson's up there, it's, it's like, um, it's up there on a pedestal, really, for guitars, and everyone who plays guitars knows what Gibson is and the different kinds of Gibsons that they make and the kind of sounds you get out of different models. This is now according to CEO Henry Dukowitz. It says agents of the United States governments are bluntly informing them that they'd be better off to ship their manufacturing labor overseas. This is the deal. They're raiding you at gunpoint and telling you, oh, you can't make them here, but you can put all your labor overseas. No jobs in America. And you know something? Americans will just, oh, dear, oh, somebody should do something about that, but they'll do nothing. I've watched this for Years and years and years. And that's what will happen. This is an interview with KMJZM's uh, Chris Daniel show. Uh, Jukowitz revealed some startling information. And it actually says what they told them. They should have shipped their jobs to Madagascar. And I think there's an audio. If you scroll down too, you can hear it for yourself. But I'll put this up tonight at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Link up. And you can listen it to your, to your, for yourself. It's quite interesting. But uh, this is happening across the board. It isn't just to Gibson, you understand. It's happening to furniture makers and all kinds of trades, etc. So it's, and it's worldwide. It all starts with the United Nations treaties, because uh, they're the boss, you see. And uh, you don't vote any of them in at the United Nations. In fact, the United Nations isn't a democratic institution. It's a private 
organization, a corporation. But that's the way it's, it's gone. And, of course, the, the CFR and the Royal for International Affairs are the ones who uh, created the United Nations for this very purpose. And most of the war, in fact, all the wars you've, you've fought in the last century. John Cleese is well known for Monty Python and different movies of the Monty Python crew. And he went back, he's been living in California since about 1990 or so. Uh, in fact, he left, I remember, when he went out one night after he heard this, this screaming in, outside in the streets. And it was someone getting mugged. Uh, by foreigners actually, and, and he got, came out with his umbrella and started whacking this guy till he ran off, and then he, then his knees started shaking because he realised he could have been killed himself, and he decided it was just too violent to live in, in England, and he moved out. But he went over to visit recently. He says London is no longer an English city, and that's how it got the Olympics, says John Cleese. Mass immigration has turned London into a city that is no longer English. The former Monty Python star says he now feels like a foreigner walking through the capital streets. California-based Cleese, who's now 71, moved to the U.S. more than two decades ago, having grown up in Somerset. The comic was asked what he thought about British culture and the recent London riots during an interview on 7.30, a television show in Australia, where he's currently on a stand-up tour. He replied, I'm not sure what's going on in Britain, or let me say this, I don't know what's going on in London, because London is no longer an English city. And he says that's how we got the Olympics. It's international, you see. That's what the, internet, that's what the Olympics were designed for, too, uh, international, to bring everything together that was international. That was one of the mandates of the United Nations. They said we were the most cosmopolitan city on earth, but it doesn't feel English. I had a Californian friend come over two months ago, walk down the King's Road and say, where are all the English people? I mean, I love having different cultures around, but when the parent culture kind of dissipates, you're left thinking, well, what's going on? Well, I've told you what's going on because Tony Blair told his, the rest of his staff to open the floodgates and destroy the British culture forever with mass immigration. And that was mainstream newspapers. Go into my archives and find it. And then they go up to the far-right groups, of course. They always bring this up. The English Defence League seized on Cleese's comment, posting a link to them on, his, on its Twitter page. And a spokesman for London Mayor Boris Johnson said, if the King's Road is jam-packed with foreign tourists, then that is something we should celebrate, really. Not their mugging you, you know. And former Mayor Ken Livingston, currently standing for the post again, said, to stay competitive, London must be what New York is to the U.S., a global centre of business, culture and innovation. <laughs> innovation. None of which can be achieved without people of all nations working and living there. And, of course, that was always the big goal of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, that private club that's got wars started. They said they'd have to make wars happen to take over the world and all the resources in it and the free movement of labour and capital and, of course, uh, manufacturing. That's part of the free trade deal. They, they, want, they, were, they designed that too, and NAFTA for North America. Anyway, the comedian was praised by UKIP leader Nigel Farage for articulating what an increasingly number of people in London are thinking. Well, why did they wait till he came over to say it? Hmm? He added, for him to make these remarks shows a tremendous strength of feeling on this matter. Of course, other cultures are welcome, but Mr. Cleese is right to point out that it should not be at the expense of the parent culture. Well, that was the whole point of Labour government after Labour government. And, of course, even Thatcher's Conservative government helped that along because there are no actual sides. It's just one big agenda. 
This is of the 8 million people who currently live in Greater London, 2.7 million residents were born outside the UK, and more than 300 languages are spoken in the city. Uh, so anyway, last year, Cleese, a Liberal Democrat supporter, lamented the state of modern England, but mourning a decline in traditional middle-class values, which he says has been replaced by a job culture. Well, that was the BBC, they helped that. And that came from the top down, by the way. You should ask yourself why the Etonians uh, that run the BBC would want to make society such so de- de- degraded as an agenda. See, you can't conquer people for an international society unless you make them utterly uh, degraded, first of all, and you destroy their cultures forever and their morality and all that goes with it. That's how you, that's how you bring in a global society. I hope you understand that. The ancient Romans used to move people around when they conquered them, sometimes move them out of their own country, and they didn't invent that idea. And once you come to other countries, they would deculturalize them. England's been awfully good at that too, with different countries, including Scotland, in the past. Back with more after this break. Folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix and talking about the degradation of society because you can't conquer people when they have a lot in common with each other and have a particular uh, either religious belief or, or some kind of moral system to keep them all together. That's when they stand up, when morality is down the tubes because of all they've watched for the last 30, 40 years on television, a steady degradation on television, of course. The people become as degraded uh, as the, the characters are watching on television. And some of them can't tell the difference between real life and, and, and the fiction they're seeing there. But uh, it's predictive programming, and it's all uh, arranged an awful long time ago. It's one of the greatest tools, is television, and now the computer, of course. Most folk don't even know um, much about computer, really, the older folks at all, except there's lots of porn on it. And, of course, that was how they launched it. Well, there's lots of porn on it, making sure everybody gets, gets into it. Because it's essential that you get stuck on this computer so they can do personality profiles on you and update them every day because you put all your silly information up there for them to do so. And then you get your cell phones, and then you're told they're all getting tracked. And I don't even bother reading about the new articles about cell phones now, tracking, tracking people, because I told you all before, and nobody really cares. It's so much fun. Who cares? You understand, people don't care uh, about their own privacy. Uh, they're, they're, they're done for. You know, I hope you realize that. These are all symptoms of a people who have lost their, their defense and survival capabilities. You're watching folk getting slaughtered across the planet, all the time. You munch away your dinner at it. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that plane. Oh, look at those missiles. Oh, boom, boom, boom. And then tell you about the surgical strikes and how hygienic it is slaughtering folk these days. And isn't science wonderful? And that's how it is now with them. They can't tell entertainment from reality and they don't really care. And when they don't care, they definitely have no survival capabilities. And they certainly won't help each other out in times of crisis. You're exactly where the big boys want you to be for this particular time period. Because when there's a food shortage, which will come, when they, at the right time they'll have it, the, on the, the Council of Foreign Relations own site, on the Rawlings International Affairs at Chatham's House. Chatham House is their main building, and the Pratt building is the one in New York for the, for the States. Uh, they've, been, they've had think tanks working on the coming food shortages for 16 years. 
16 years Because, you see, they're going to make it happen And they work with Bonsanto and all the big boys That now own the entire food supply of the planet They'll make it happen, you see And no one's going to turn around and say Do you want some extra beans here? Believe you me, that is a society that's been created The government will be in charge of you all And you better obey That's what they're telling you now, I've also talked about degradation in children. I've got stacks and stacks and that. I won't go into it all tonight, of course, but I've mentioned before how the UN every year or so floats the idea, the trial balloon, that we should legalize pedophilia and call it uh, intergenerational sex. Now, they might call it love. You see how it's just quite natural for a, strain, a stranger, an adult, to just love these children that he wants to do odd things with. And... The consequences is they promote all this stuff and, and you get more and more stuff on television. Again, fictional, isn't it funny? It's all in comedies. And you're thinking, oh, it's, I guess it's not as bad as all that. Convictions for sex offences on children are up 60% in the last six years. The number of people convicted of sex offences in children aged under 16 in England and Wales has increased by nearly 60% in six years. A Freedom of Information request to the Ministry of Justice found that in 2005, 1,363 people were convicted. These are the convicted ones. While in 2010, it was 2,135. The rise has been attributed to better detection and raised awareness, really. Uh, the child protection is actually because there's more folk doing it, you see. They're getting bold. They're getting bold because they know eventually there'll be no such thing as paedophilia. The group in Holland has been pushing for a little while as the small group in, in Holland who have had meetings and demonstrations to legalize it there. And, of course, they're using Kinsey to report the guy, that deviant himself that was wanting to poke his own guys he was working with, and the women. And he actually told all his staff to have sex with each other, by the way. He hired people to little, literally, I can't say sex, they buggered little children. Babies, actually. Babies with stopwatches. And I've had those links up before. I'll put them up again tonight on the real story of Kinsey, not that Hollywood trash that tried to glorify him. And all his, his reports were fake. He used prostitutes uh, mainly as, as the average woman. That's where he took his data from. But anyway, so, so they're getting what they want. You see, society is completely kaput as far as I'm concerned. And it's not easy to get back to any kind of uh, uh, workable society once this has happened. This is an old technique happened in ancient Greece, happened in Rome. It was brought about by guys who knew how to do it. And uh, here we are today at the end of the era. And... We know, too, that the New American Century Group had all the countries that they wanted to slaughter and, ban- and take over and plunder. And they even had all their pipelines drafted up and stuff, all the stuff that would go across Afghanistan and Iraq and elsewhere. And the whole list was set up with the order. And now they're going forward with the next sanction on the, uh, Syria, basically, because Syria is the topple next, you see. With the first, they've brought in all their coloured revolutionaries, the ones that come in with their bandanas of some kind or another, all made in the U.S. and trained in the U.S. and in England too. Many of them were students at the universities in both those countries, and you can hear their accents whenever they get a chance to talk on television. But they go in and they agitate for a year or two years, well funded by a whole bunch of agencies from the West again. And and then the the TV stations go out at the right time and then demonstrate. So all these are popular revolts. The people are protesting, and and that's what they cover, you know. But actually, I'd say they're paid agitators. They're flown around the world. Back with more 
after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, reading about how they're getting ready for Syria. And they always start with the sanctions, they call it. EU steps up Syria sanctions with ban on oil imports. The Economic Union, which is just this, this uh, non-democratic parliamentary system where they don't even know at the top who's voting on who at the top because it's just a private club there. Anyway, it says uh, uh, sanctions on Syria by banning imports on its, of its oil as protests again broke out against the rule. This is what they're saying of President Bashar al-Assad, uh, again by the color revolutions that they send in, all trained by the West. And it says oil accounts for about 25% of Syria's income, and the EU member states take about 95% of its oil exports. Of course, they want it all for nothing, and that's really what they're going to do. You see, that's what they're doing with all these countries. They already divvy up the country's oil and resources before they invade. So all the big boys have already been to see the prime ministers and presidents and made their deals. And that's, that was in the mainstream the last time we were even with Iraq, they made, years after it. Oh, yeah, we made the deals before we went in. But what, what presence did we get? And, and we pay for all of this. We pay for, for, for rebuilding the countries and all of that. And the refineries, brand new ones. They don't like these old ones. Uh, we pay for them all. And uh, they just hand them over to the big boys. And you keep talking about democracy. What a joke. Come on, come on, grow up, eh? Grow up. And also put up tonight, too, um, the anger at WikiLeaks mass release. There's a massive release, and a lot of it's to do with the banking system. And I'll put links up to that. You better grab them fast. And uh, I can't download them here, unfortunately, because my, the speed on the satellite is too slow. And plus, they, they punish me. They punish me and cut me off if I go over 10 megs at once. Ooh. <laughs> but anyway, that's pretty well it. For, for, for that bit there. Now there's someone hanging on the phones. It's Chris from North Carolina. Are you there, Chris? Uh, hello, Mr. Watt? Yes. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, what I'd like to talk about is kind of off the, the topic a little bit. Uh, I ordered your books the first three a uh, couple of years ago, and I come from a Christian background, and it, it really kind of uh, knocked the props out from under me, I guess. Um, yeah. And I've come to the point of realizing that I've got to question everything that I've been led to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you go to find the truth? I mean, I understand you know, if the Bible has been tampered with, uh, you know, what's what's true and what's not. You have to go into the writings of before before the Romans basically took over Christianity, which they did. Uh, I mean, Constantine had a, a conclave. Very much like the, the same thing happened with Buddhism. And he had a conclave, and, and there were so many splintering factions already over a couple of hundred years period uh, or more that uh, he wanted to, to stabilize it and bring it in as one religion added to all the rest of Rome's religions. You know, on, on the hill in Rome, they had a, a part of the hill that was all fenced off, and that's where all the gods were, the, all the, the, the gods were placed near their statues. 
And uh, But they altered things. They, they wanted to get everything uniform, you understand. Standardization is a must for, for total power. Same as they're doing in the world today. They're standardizing every country, central banks, debt, IMF, the whole thing. It's the same, same thing, but you must also do it with religion, what binds the folk together. And um, they took the basic story, and then they added on to it all the stuff which they'd added on to previous gods, because they wanted to get all the pagans in with it too. Uh, and of course, over a period of time, uh, that happened. And then, of course, in the in the, in the next uh, conclave they had, then they, they added more things onto that as well, and elevated Mary up to the status that she is today, because they already had the alma mater in in Rome, the Great Mother, and uh, that she fitted in very well. So they basically took a very old story, tacked it on on top, until it smothered the original story. And you can tell even when you read the the, the, the New Testament where they've, they've suddenly put little bits in there that don't fit the, the, the narrative, uh, the flow of the narrative, uh, like you should obey government, you know. Meanwhile, you're following a, a guy who literally stood up against the government of his day. Right. I mean, and he suffered what he's like, you know. Yeah, I, I grew up asking those questions, and then every time I would ask something like that, you know, whoever I was asking it to would tell me, you know, well, that's the Bible, you, you know, you can't dispute that. Yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. And meanwhile, I mean, you're following a guy who stood up against his own priesthood, the guys who lorded over him. He said, you don't need them. That was the biggest thing he said. You don't need these guys, these priests. He says, go into your own room and pray yourself to God, you see. And of course, that was not good for the, the priest business. And uh, so that was one thing. And he also kicked out the money changers from the international monetary changers from the big temple. That was a big cash inflow. And that was another no-no. And so he, he, he stood up against the powers of his day, knowing he was going to get killed. And um, and yet the Christians today are, are taught the opposite. Oh, it's all, we're all saved, you know. We're all saved. Doesn't matter what you do, you're all saved. It's like having a blank credit card. No matter what you do in the future, it's all, you're all saved, you see. Nonsense, utter nonsense. He didn't come to save the world. He says he came for the few. And he said, uh, basically, he, he was the example for the few. And they also tacked on different miracles. You can see yes or no to them. But there was a character there, an individual, definitely that upset uh, the rabbis of his day because they wrote about it in the Talmud and other, other literature as well. So... Um, all Bibles are, are, are updated for political reasons and purposes. And, and even, of course, the, the Geneva Bible was, was written in Geneva by really early Masons, Rosicrucians, that were also revolutionaries, ran off to Geneva for a sanctuary, and, and they, they, they wrote their Geneva version there with, with trying to get the public's... See, it's all, it's all propaganda for the public. That's where they change things. And... Uh, because it was a religious public at the time, they had to alter it and put footnotes in the Geneva Bible to try and get folk on board for revolution. And it was very successful. And then King James's version came out, again for political reasons, to once again put the sovereigns back in control, uh, just like a pope. Uh, the, the, James believed that he was put there by God as a sovereign over the, the people, the peasants. And... Um, and so it's always been the same. You have to really go into pre-Constantine uh, literature to find out what they were preaching at that time because it was supposed to be good news. He didn't have to be ruled by priests and control freaks and for any for, of their particular agendas. And you could talk directly to a deity and get it off your chest. 
uh, where you had to confess. And, um, and also you could have this, this contact with something bigger than you. And it definitely changed the world. It changed the slave system and everything else over a period of time. It was a revolutionary force at this time. Today, you've got television evangelists dripping with gold telling you this prosperity doctrine. You're all going to heaven no matter what you do and all that rubbish. So, Basically, there's a narrow way as, as you've got in the New Testament, and then there's a broad way. That's what you call Broadway, Broadway in New York. You know, that's a broad way. But it's a narrow way, and few there are that find it. Most will never find it. Okay. So I need to look pre-Constantine Roman liter- or pre-Constantine literature? Yes. Yes, where, there were, where, there were different... Where you you'll find it, most of the stuff now you'll find relegated to the university archives, but you can get a hold of some of it. You'll find some in Durant's book, it was Caesar and Christ it was called. Um, and remember too, when you're even reading that book, the Rockefeller Foundation sent out Will Durant and his team to to write stuff to, that would bring folk into secular humanism. So even there's, there's spins in there, but there's also a lot of good little bits of truth as well. So everything out there is propaganda, you understand, everything. I'm beginning uh, to see that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Caesar and Christ by Will Durant is quite a good book to read to show you how uh, even the different sects of Christians that didn't want to go along with Constantine's rule were actually poisoned and bumped off and assassinated uh, because they wouldn't go along and, and join this universal church, basically. And remember, too, that Constantine himself just made it one of the many churches that the Romans already accepted, being an empire. Uh, they had gods from all the different countries and um, on the Palatine Hill. And you also find out, too, uh, that uh, Constantine had insurance policies. He saw religions like an insurance policies, and so he belonged to them all, and he also erected, uh, which was typical for, for, for the em- emperors in those days, he erected a statue in a temple where, in his own lifetime, where you could go and worship him, himself. Yeah. Okay, so, well, uh, Mr. Watt, I sure do appreciate your time, and thank you very much for the information. Okay, thanks for calling. Yes, sir. But that, that's it, and, and that's uh, it's so amazing, though. But unfortunately, people threw all the, the baby out with the bathwater, with Christianity because it gave you a moral guideline where children at least were safe and women were, were, were pretty safe and, you know, a society would pull together having so much in common often and uh, overthrow governments that were tyrannical, things like that. Once that's all gone, you have nothing left. You have nothing. You've got to have a common culture, something that binds you together. And, of course, even with religion, you have very cunning people who can use the countries against each other as well, as you saw, especially in World War One, and um, where you have you have uh, priests and ministers on both sides uh, blessing the troops before they go to get slaughter each other. I mean, I can. What's Christian about that? Hmm? So really, yeah, everything's used for political purposes by the psychopaths who've always existed, uh, and they know how to do it. It's all formula, you see. Now, talking about how things have plummeted in society, we know it's all around us. And uh, I know the folk today, through incrementational uh, inputs into their brains, will accept more and more pornography, even in the general movies that they watch. And that's why they do it incrementally, little by little by little, you see. 
And the more you accept, the more you're ready for the next bit. You'll say, oh, oh I'm not sure about that. Then they take you on to the rest of the story so you, you kind of forget it. You want to find out what happens rather than switch the darn thing off. It's a K-8, uh, K-8 school by day and an adult club by night. A Miami-Dade charter school, charter school is in trouble with the school district but accused of having body after hours parties in its South Miami Heights campus. And the children were going in the morning and, and there's booze cans and, and bottles and beer and the rest of it. A perfume and God knows what else lying around in the place. And it's, everything you see is so decadent now. And a country like that cannot stand. Uh, the other day I mentioned about the, the, the cops having sex with people rather than pay fines and things, you see, they have sex with them uh, on, on the, the bonnet of a car, you know. Here's an article here, Philly police officer charged with rape while on duty. I get these every single day because they're pulling the cops and the soldiers, everybody else, out the same decadent civilization and culture. So you expect more and more and more of this. And that's what's happening all across the world. It's just disgusting what's happening because really it makes you ashamed to, to be born as part of the human species, if you're thinking at all. And to also, also tonight up to a, a, a link to the Associated Press, and it's about the robo-signing of mortgages. I've mentioned this before, but there's more on it now. It says counties across the U.S. are discovering that illegal or questionable mortgage paperwork is far more widespread than thought, tainting the deeds of tens of thousands of homes dating to the late 1990s. It says that they could create legal trouble for homeowners for years to come because these banks were, were, were selling the mortgages off to each other, just passing them up, up the, the ladder, basically, making them more and more expensive, and now they've got to figure out who actually owns them. And these guys are rewarded. Don't you understand that your system is corrupt? Why would you vote it back in again? Why? Why would you vote the same system back in? Why would you vote the guys that are presented to you that you've never heard about before they come up and that they're all... They're all passed and, and quality approved and stamped by the Council on Foreign Relations in the States and the Royal Institute for International Affairs in Britain and for Europe as well. It's still the Institute for International Affairs. It's for the whole world now. Why would you vote them in where they want to keep the same central banking system where they borrow from private banks, tack on massive interest and make you all pay for it so that they can throw it across the world and build lovely refineries for their pals after they've slaughtered using your tax money? And, and then give them away to their, to BP and Shell and all the usual culprits. Why would you vote the same system in? Uh, look around you, do you see it working anywhere? Do you? That's so astonishing. But men, there's, there's no end of psychopaths getting all dressed up and faces powdered, who have the gift of the gab, uh, uh, everywhere actually. And it's up to you to find out who they are, and it's quite easy to detect who they are. Just listen to them for a, a few minutes. But anyway, as I say, they'll never figure this one out, and I don't think really the government wants to figure it out. They don't want dead fines and, you know, more court cases. They want it to blow over and leave the people on the streets or in their tents now that they don't have a home. And as I say, Syria is going to get blasted shortly. Uh, that's always what they do. First the embargo, and then they go in with NATO. And then, of course, there's a, an article, too, about this. This is your PR thing, you know. Libya conflict. UK forces should be proud, says Cameron, this Prime Minister. 
It says that the UK forces should be very proud of what they achieved in Libya, you know, slaughtering folk and all these sorts of And said the US saw Britain as its strongest and most staunch ally. So I put the link up and you'll find it. I says that the, the, the British private corporation of Britain uh, is congratulated by the private corporation of America uh, for using its private armies for slaughtering the Libyans and plundering. That's really what it's about. Let's not kid ourselves. There's another article here, too, about that very subject. It says that the race is on. Oh, the race. How do you use sports terms, eh? That the race is on uh, for to, to see who is going to get the oil. They don't know, eh? The race is on for Libya's oil, with Britain and France both staking a claim. And it says the starting pistol has been fired on bids. The starting pistol, just sports, you see, the slaughtering stuff, by Britain and other Western powers to secure a slice of the oil prize in Libya when France said it was fair and logical for its companies to benefit. And then they tell you, basically, they're doing the little deals between them and handshakes and all the rest of it and uh, shady parties and things like that as they they, they get through it. So they mentioned some of the oil companies. Shell was also becoming active before civil war broke out, meaning they made the deal then, as was Total of France. That's another oil company. But the conflict over the past few months has brought the country's existing oil production of 1.6 million barrels a day, 2% 2% of the world's total to a halt. And so, and of course all these folk that, 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 you always get the agitators who are the psychopaths trained by the CIA and the MI6 to lead these uh, insurgents. And they, they run Al-Qaeda, for goodness sake. Over enemies, over friends now, over enemies, over friends now. All this nonsense back and forth, the street Russian roulette. But it's all run by the same bunch at the top. The followers are, are the, the, just peons that go by the wayside because they're, they're always disappointed afterwards when everything they thought the country was going to get back is plundered from them. But they never learn. Useful idiots is the term that Pike used and others. And, and oh, how true, isn't it? Oh, how true. And then again, another article, I met, read, read one a long time ago about the the rendition process, uh, the two companies that rendered them out of the U.S. to abroad to get tortured, all the, the terrorists, are squabbling over cash from the government because they haven't got paid yet. I'll put that to back with more after this break. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. And if Matthew from Australia is still hanging on, I'll take him now. Is is there, Matthew? I just wanted to ask you, are there any books um, about the Frankfurt School and what what they've done with the music industry? Yeah, you'll you'll find uh, lots on the net, in fact, if you just go into Frankfurt School. And you look into uh, especially the works of Theo Adorno, uh, because he was one of the, the biggest uh, players in the music side of things and the cultural changes. And you find out why they came across from Europe, not just to run from Hitler, but it was also uh, that they, they studied the American system and decided how they could take it over, manipulate it and use it and destroy society uh, and bring in the system that they wanted to control. And mind you, they were complete elitists. They, really didn't, they didn't believe in equality of, of classes or anything. They used that all the time, but they really believed they were too uh, cerebrally superior to all the rest to to ever have an equal society. They believed that humanity had to be ruled by by the superior intellectual types. Yeah, okay. 
and and there were eugenicists as well. You know, one of the intros to one of the books I read by Theo Adorno, he he spends a whole page telling you that uh, uh, the English language was just too inefficient and and to really put across his deep uh, ability to express thought. And therefore, he wouldn't attempt to do it. Then he goes on to spend two or three pages more on the intro, uh, telling you how, how stupid most folk are. And if you can follow him, then you're, you, you might have a chance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the, the Frankfurt School was awfully big. Uh, it, it blended. It was part of the Macy Group. Uh, Truman gave the Macy Group power to help create the, the new culture for America, for the global society. That's official. That, that was a fact. And Bertrand Russell, who was a member of all these groups, also was a member of the Macy Group. That's what I'm saying. They gave, that where you are today with your culture is exactly where they and the Frankfurt School combined uh, uh, brought you. They, they designed it years ago, years and years and years ago. This very stage you're at now. Yeah, okay. They talked about it. In fact, Julian Huxley, also a member of it too, and United Nations, uh, UNESCO, he said uh, that eventually there would be a period of chaos when what destroyed all the cultures and, and bringing it, and before they bring in the humanist society, and there will be chaos there when people are nihilistic and despondent and there's nothing to hold on to and a lot of crime and murders and rapes, but that's just something that will have to happen. He says on the way, yeah. That's, that's in his own book, by the way. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, just looking around the world at the moment, it looks like we're getting <laughs> closer and closer to that too. Yeah. Well, this is a, a long agenda. Um, the, the, the proles don't count, as Orwell said. The general public don't count. They're not involved. And all they do is read, read news that may affect them and store up food and all the rest of it and gold and silver. <laughs> Thanks for calling, though. Remember to help support me too with donations and hopefully buy the boots because things are getting tight. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your God's go with you. <laughs>